When I say I got ahead of myself, I mean, there's different ways you can, um, you know, I could hand these notes to at least two or three other capable ministers in the room tonight, and they would all preach it slightly different. So there's different ways you can go about these things, but um, got a little bit ahead of ourselves in the sense that, you know, just kind of decompressing, I always, um, after a sermon, just kind of go back over it in my heart and mind, and Lord, how could I have done it better? How could I have said it better? All stuff. And, and he pointed out some things that, that probably should have already been put in place to help you maybe understand a little better of what we were talking about on last Wednesday night. And for those of you who weren't here, last Wednesday night we were looking at the passages in 2 Corinthians 3 where the Bible says that when we behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord that we are transformed into the same image from glory to glory even as by the Holy Spirit of God. And what that verse actually means not just from the position of a concept of truth, but but how we can actually do that ourselves. And I put some uh, photographs of my grandson on the screen where he was in my lap reading about Buzz Lightyear, then he had on a shirt that had Buzz Lightyear on it. But then there was this photograph that my daughter had professionally done where it's my grandson's face and head under the dome where Buzz Lightyear's usually would be and then there's him standing there pointing to that, showing me that, right? And he was trying to illustrate to you what those verses are actually saying here. They're, they're, they're not just saying look into a mirror and see the glory of Jesus on Jesus, but to look in the mirror and see his glory reflected on and through you. And that this is how we are changed into that image. Okay. But let's, let's kind of take a step back and we'll make another run and start at this, but there are some really important things that we need to see here. A phrase that you're going to hear a lot during this current study that we're in is one that those of you who've been around Heritage for a while have, have already heard a lot. And it's the inward reality of the new birth becoming an outward expression of life. Some of the things that I've been just working on, and I'm not really exactly what sure what form they're going to take, writing sermons, that sort of thing, but is I've been making a list of what I call new birth realities. What, what does that mean? It sounds poetic. What does it mean? Things that are real now about you and in you because you've been born again. Let me give you an example. The Bible says you are an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus, co-heir with Jesus. See, that's a new birth reality. Now, you may have never heard that. Nobody may have, you, know, you may have never read that in the scriptures. No one may have, may have ever explained that to you. Remember what we said last week about a reality. A reality doesn't have to be known by you for it to be real. Something can be real and you know nothing about it. doesn't mean it's not real. And that's the case with a lot of these new birth realities. They're, 
There are things that are in you that are real right now in you, true about you, okay? But maybe you don't know anything about. But discipleship is not just learning about new birth realities. Discipleship is about new birth realities becoming an outward expression of your life, something that you experience and enjoy and something that other people experience and enjoy in your life, okay? Now, Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. So the Amplified Version says, be imitators of God, copy him and follow his example as well-beloved children, imitate their father. One of the things that we've mentioned already about this, and I'm just going to mention it again tonight as we get, as we get rolling, is the very fact that Father God instructed us to do this in the Scripture tells me He knows that we have potential that perhaps we don't understand yet. That, that we were actually created to imitate Him. We were actually created to be like Him. We, lest we lost sight of it, um, the word Christian literally means Christian. It means Christ-like. And they were first called Christians in Antioch. And it wasn't meant to be a compliment by those who said it. They were like, for crying out loud, these people are becoming just like that, that, that kook from Nazareth. You know, I mean, they, they're Christians, right? That's how much they were um, expressing the inward reality of the new birth. Now, we see in 2 Peter chapter 1 that through the new birth, we have become partakers of God's divine nature. 1 Peter explains how that happens through the incorruptible seed of God's word, and we're born a second time. And then 2 Peter expounds upon that when he explains that through these exceeding great and precious promises, we've now become partakers of the divine nature of God, a new birth reality. Are you with me? Now, you've got to be careful here because a lot of people hear this and they go, well, I don't have the nature of God in me, so I must not be saved. I must not be born again. No, no, no. See, listen to me. You've got, you got, you got to stay tuned. Okay? Because you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. The nature of God that is now in you is in your spirit. It may not have made its way into your thinking yet. Your soul is your mind, emotions, and will. If it hasn't made it into your thinking yet, then it, it's not impacting your feelings yet. Are you with me? So don't just, I'm asking you to keep an open heart, open mind, and, and there's a lot to this, and it's going to take several sessions for us to develop it. And the Lord has shown me new ways to communicate some of these things, and, and I'm very, very excited um, uh, you know, about the opportunity to, to, to give you this, and, and I believe it's going to make a tremendous difference in your life. I'll, I'll go ahead and testify. It's already making a tremendous difference in my own life, and, and that's why I'm so excited to, to be able to pass it along uh, to you. So Ephesians 2 says that before our new birth, we were by nature children of wrath. So the old person we were died with Jesus, and then we were raised up together with him to newness of life, a new creation, a new person. Amen. Now, 
this new reality inside of you because of the new birth. It resides in your spirit. And without going too far down this road, when you put things in spirit form, you can put a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff in a very small package. If you understand computers, you can compress very large computer files. And I don't understand a lot about computers, but I do understand this part. If you understand the concept of a zip file, a zip file is when you can take a big file and you can compress it down. Software compresses it down. And, but then to open it, you've got to unzip it. Okay. So if I can use that as a natural example, when we talk about spiritual things, let, let me, new birth reality. Here's another one. Okay. The Bible says the kingdom of God is inside of you. Like how can you put a whole kingdom inside of one person? When we're talking about spiritual things, they don't take up the same kind of space as physical things. Okay, watch this one. New birth reality, Ephesians 1.3. You have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. It's all inside of you right now. It's new birth reality. So when I stand in front of you and I say, we're getting jazzed about the inward reality of the new birth becoming an outward expression of life, we're talking about these things that are in you, in spirit form, in your spirit, coming forth from you, where, again, we're not just talking about you being made free, but you enjoying freedom. We're not just talking about you being made righteous. Again, that's a new birth reality. Those are two new birth realities. You were made free through the new birth. You were made righteous through the new birth. That's your inward reality right now. You're just as right before God in the eyes of God as Jesus ever has been or ever will be right now if you've been born again. That's the reality of the new birth. A lot of folks, though, that have become just as right before God in the eyes of God as Jesus, that hasn't made its way to an outward expression of life yet. And what, what does that mean? That means they're still behaving like somebody who never has been made righteous, even though they have been. Okay? So the inward reality of the new birth becoming an outward expression of life. Let's go to, thank you, Jesus. Um, okay, let, let, thank you, Lord. I, we need to do this first. And you've heard me say this a few times here of late. I think I've mainly talked about this on Sundays, but before I go any further show you any other verses tonight from the scriptures, I felt like the Holy Spirit prompted me this afternoon, and so I went back into the earlier parts of my, of my notes and, and inserted this. Um, I want to I remind you again that you are God's idea. Okay? He's not your idea, and you are not your idea. Okay? He's not your idea, you're not your idea. You're his idea, okay? How can two walk together if they do not agree? Amos 3, 3. You've got to get on the same page with God. He's wanting to take you somewhere. And I, I, I say this to encourage you, not to discourage you, but my brother and my sister, you don't 
yet understand the half of what he has for you. You don't understand the half. The Lord did a tremendous work in our family. It started the Monday night before Labor Day in 1978. I was 11 years old. Matt was 14 years old. Meredith, would, she's two and a half years younger than me. Somebody do the math on that. But anyway, we were, we were just kids. And um, we were the poster child family for the Southern Baptist Association. And I say that, listen, I'm, I'm not dissing my Southern Baptist brothers. I am so thankful for what I learned from them and the foundations and all, all that. And they're doing a great work. And I mean, just, you know, get in a crowd of people and ask how many folks were born again in the Baptist church. And you'll see our Southern Baptist brothers and sisters are winning a lot of people to Jesus. And I'm thankful for that. Don't misunderstand me. But in the wee hours of that morning, my mother had an encounter with God. And her simple question to the Lord, and if you know this story, I, I don't want to just over-dramatize it here, but she actually waited till we all went to sleep, and she went downstairs in our home there in Hueytown to take her own life. The devil had convinced her that she was a, a, not a good mother, not a good wife, not a good follower of Jesus, and she was wonderful of all of that. But this is just how the devil will try to confuse you. And in the wee hours of, of that morning, somewhere during that night, she just got real authentic, let's say it that way. She got real, real with the Lord. She took the masks off and she just said, she goes, you know what I'm about to do? I'm not trying to hide it from you. And I'm going to ask you some questions and you're going to answer me. That was kind of her, the way she talked to the Lord. She never talked to him like that in her life. And guess what? He wasn't offended by that. He answered her. And here, here is, the, here is the, the question that my mother had and the answer that continues to shape it continues to shape whether you even understand this or not. I was going to say me and my family's life to this day, but it's more than that. It continues to shape all of our lives. If the Lord's ever spoken to you in this church, right? Because let me, let me tell you what she asked. She said, there has got to be more to living for you than what I know. There's got to be more than just trying to be good and going to church on Sunday and smiling and acting there like everything's okay. Gotta, there's got to be more to it. And that was what was so frustrating to her. She knew there had to be more. She wanted more, but had no idea how to get it. You know what the Lord told her? You're absolutely right. And you've got to get your family to a church that teaches and preaches and believes in the fullness of my spirit the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the initial evidence of speaking in an unknown tongue. We were raised in a church that believed you that was of the devil. We were taught that, that not only was it not for today, but that that was of the devil. And 
when mom and dad went, they were so concerned that they were going to expose me and my brother and my sister to something that we would never recover from that they actually got a babysitter and went by themselves. I'm not trying to compare this at all to what Abraham did, but for our little family and how involved we were in the church that we were ingrained in, it was a really big deal for the Lord to say, you got to get your family somewhere. That, But thankfully, Mom and Dad listened, and they did it. I don't, I don't know where you are on the spectrum of what you think God has for you and, and, and His limits as far as what He can do with you, through you, in you, for you. Okay, But I'm telling you now, not to offend you, you don't know the half of it. Why do you think He says... To him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. Why do you think the Bible says things like, eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard, nor has it entered the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him? And he's not talking about just on the other side in heaven. He's talking about right here, right now in this life. But see, here, here's the thing, and I'm, I'm not fussing at you guys and gals because y'all are here on a Wednesday night. Y'all are watching online on a Wednesday night. But, but, but see, here's the thing. God's got all these things that he wants to do in, for, with, and through our lives but folks don't have any time for him. It's, it's, it's too much to ask to come to church twice a week. It's, it's just too much to ask to, to, to read my Bible every day. It's just too much to ask. So, so again, <clears throat> if, if you choose to just not give God that place in your life, you live your whole life with all these new birth realities inside of you, enjoying very little to none of them. All right? So when I say to you that you're his idea, our place is not to question, but to understand, agree, and then yield to what grand idea Father has in mind for our lives. What I have for you tonight concerning your life and existence and destiny was and still is God's idea for you. When the Bible says that the clay is in no position and has no right to say to the potter, why have you made me thus? There are people who take that verse so far out of context and, and, and you know, they try to say that God made them some made them this and made them that and I can't believe God made me this poor little pitiful broke blob. No, no, that's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about you, you're sitting here trying to tell God what's true about you and you don't even know what's true about you. You're sitting here trying to tell him what you can do and what you can't do. You have no idea what you can do. I can't do that, God. I can't go there, God. I can't believe you for that. And God is like, what in the world? We mentioned Gideon in, in, in uh, the class tonight, just briefly. God says to Gideon, Gideon, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to defeat the entire Philistine army with just you, one man. Gideon's like, ain't, ain't no way. See, I, I don't, I'm not trying to, obviously that's Old Testament and we're in a different day and age now. But, but how about this? You can win a nation to God in a day. One man. Sweep a whole nation into the kingdom of God in one day. See, see, that's what I'm saying. You a lump of clay trying to tell the potter, 
he don't know what he's doing. That, that he can't, that you can't, that it ain't. Uh-uh. See, we got, we got to get over that sooner rather than later. Let me, and famous last words, but I'm going to try to be brief with this part. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians 13, 11 and 12. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now, we see in a mirror dimly. Okay? Now, here, here's the part, and I know this is maybe a bit unconventional, but I believe this is what the Holy Spirit's saying to us, and I believe, I'm convinced that's what the Holy Spirit's saying to us, and I'm convinced that other places in the Scripture support what I'm, what I'm telling you right now. There are folks who look at this passage, and the, and the and tra- traditional understanding of this is, this is where we are now, and, we, and, and, and it won't be until we get to the other side that we are able to see or know any more than we know right now. That's not true. Okay? So, tonight... The mirror that I'm looking in to see who I really am in Christ, okay? It's still not crystal clear, but it's clearer for me, and I hope that it is for you. It's clearer for me tonight than it was last Wednesday night, incrementally, okay? So he's talking about growth and development here. He's talking about going from a child to someone who's mature in the things of God, growth, growing up into Jesus in all things. Now, here's the verse that I mentioned already. Two verses, 2 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now, let let me talk about this for a minute. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Where is He? He's in you. If He's in you, then there's liberty in you. There's freedom in you. Now, there are times when we experience His presence, you know, in a specific location or or place when the Spirit of God, presence of God moves among us. But if you think that's the only place you can have freedom is where the Spirit of God is tangibly moving among a group of people, upon those people. No, no. He says the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Verse 18 begins with but. Meaning what? Meaning if you're going to enjoy and experience that liberty, you're going to have to learn how to grow up into it. It's an inward reality of the new birth, but if you're going to experience and enjoy in your, in, your, in your outward expression of life, there are some things you're going to have to understand and grow up into. And so he's talking about this with unveiled face. We'll perhaps talk more about what a, what a veiled face looks like. But people hide behind all kinds of things. That's what he's talking about here. He's, see, what, what was the difference with my mother that night? She'd prayed since she was a little girl. What was the difference? Why was that the first time in her life she heard the voice of the Lord? It's because for the first time she just took the mask off. And she said, God, look, I'm fixing to kill myself because I'm so frustrated in life. And I want to know something and, I, and you're going to tell me. She got real. Real reality, do you see how those two line up with one another? When we're hiding behind masks, pretending like we know stuff we don't, pretending like everything's fine when it ain't, 
you know, trying to put on for people and, and project an image to people and all this other stuff, make people believe we're spiritual when we don't, don't know what to think and all this other stuff. God can't do nothing with that. You're going to be blinded to what will make the difference in your life. But when you take the mask off, the holding is in a mirror, the glory of the Lord. When you see yourself, one of the reasons people wear masks is because they don't, understand, they're, they don't, they don't want the world to see who they think they are. But when you take the mask off, you find out you're really something pretty special. Right? That inward reality is not what the devil's tried to convince you your whole life that it is. Now, here's the phrase, are being transformed into the, transformed into the same image from glory to glory by the Spirit of the Lord. Glory to glory, there's a lot we could say about that. We, we see like expressions faith to faith. We mentioned that one briefly last week. Um, glory to glory, faith to faith. Um, oh, what's the other one? Grace for grace. So the idea is that he's talking about increments here. Here a little, there a little. Where we're, we see more clearly now than we have saw before and we're going to see more clearly tomorrow than we see today. And, you know, that, that kind of incremental growth and, and progress. I've talked about when I would work all week in Atlanta and come home and I would be amazed. My children were very small. I'd be amazed at how much they've grown. But when I'm with them every day, the incremental growth and development over the course of a week, I would barely notice that they had, had grown. And so he's talking about this incremental growth, are being transformed. Okay. But notice, we're not just being transformed into a good guy or a good gal. We're not just being transformed into, into somebody that other people look up to. We're not just being transformed into a good church-going person. My uncle introduced us. He lives in, in Arab area. My, my uncle introduced us one time to one of his neighbors. He said, this, this is my brother David, and these are his two, two boys, uh, Matt and Mark. He said, they're heavy churchgoers. <laughs> you remember that, Matt? I remember looking like, heavy churchgoers, what's he saying about me, right? <laughs> heavy churchgoers, praise God. He's not just trying to transform you into a heavy churchgoer. He's, his desire is to transform you into the same image of Jesus himself. So our being... Our being, you, you remember English class, that's speaking of an ongoing work. It's something that's progressive. Our being as opposed to have been. We've used that um, verb tense tonight, right? Have been blessed, that's inward reality. Our being transformed is not talking about what God does at the spirit level. That part has been Okay? Your soul is being. Are you seeing this? Okay? Are being transformed in the same image from glory to glory, even by the Spirit of the Lord. Now, let's go to Romans chapter 8, verse 29 and 30. Thank you, Jesus. I did not um, mention tonight, Sister Pam is receiving healing tonight, so we're thankful for the Lord's hand upon her. And um, John Mark's fiance, Gina, 
will um, officially be on Friday afternoon, uh, Dr. Gina Heilman. She'll graduate from Sanford's Pharmacy School. Yeah. And so they had a, uh, her graduating class, Sanford was doing a banquet for them tonight, so that's where um, John Mark is tonight, so appreciate you letting him. He asked his dad, do you mind if I take a night off? I said, man, go celebrate. Praise God, big occasion. Amen. All right, Romans chapter 8, 29 and 30, it says this. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be, Jesus might be, the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, like there's even more to this, whom he predestined, these he also called, whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. It is time for the body of Christ to submit to God's desire to glorify her. Father God wants to glorify you. He wants to promote you. He wants to take the light that He made you, Ephesians 5 and 8. You were once darkness, period, but now you are light in the Lord. He's wanting to take you and put you on a candlestick to light up this world filled with darkness. See, religion won't tell you this. Religion will tell you that this is, this is not for you, this is not and yet the Bible is full of these truths. Let me, tell, let me tell you what else religion will tell you about this verse, and they could not be more wrong. Religion will try to tell you that God decided before he ever created a first person who would be saved and who would not be, and that that is the doctrine of predestination. And the Bible does not support that. The Bible does not teach that. The Bible teaches whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. People make choices all the time. Have you ever heard Brother Keith Moore teach on this? He was watching a talk show where a famous talk show host and a famous preacher, he doesn't tell us who those were, he was picking at this man. He was like, well, why would a loving God that you talk about send people to hell? And Keith was very young in those days when he heard that. And he, he asked the Lord later, he said, Lord, if he was to ask me that, I'm not sure how I would answer. He said, tell him it wasn't my choice. Wasn't my choice. Now, as with any verse in the Bible, but especially ones that are critically and crucially, so we get the word crudically from that, okay? Crudically important, the devil's going to try really hard to keep people confused about it. And that's the case, sadly, with this one right here. When he says, whom he foreknew, would, you, would, would somebody please bring to me the human being on planet Earth that Father does not know about? He, he, he foreknew us all, okay? And He knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. He gave you purpose and grace in Christ Jesus before time began. Let me tell you what else He did before time began. 
He predetermined your ultimate destiny. He predetermined the highest and best that you could ever become in this life. And it was to be conformed into the image of His precious, only begotten Son, Jesus, so that He would no longer be the only Son of God, but that He would become the firstborn among many brethren. Now, if no one has told you this lately, let me go ahead and tell you that Father is still looking for men and women who will commit themselves to fellowship with Him, who will commit themselves to the process of discipleship in their lives so that you can become conformed to the image of His Son in this life. Let me give it to you from... Amplified Version. Romans 8 and um, 29 and 30 from the Amplified. For those whom he foreknew, of whom he was aware and loved beforehand, he also destined from the beginning, foreordaining them to be molded into the image of his Son and share inwardly his likeness, that he might become the firstborn among many brethren. And those whom he thus foreordained, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified, acquitted, made righteous, putting them into right standing with himself. And those whom he justified, he also glorified, raising them to a heavenly dignity and condition or state of being. Same two verses from the Passion Translation. For who he knew... For I'm sorry... For He knew all about us before we were born, Psalm 139. And He destined us from the beginning to share the likeness of His Son. This means the Son is the oldest among a vast family of brothers and sisters who would become just like Him. Having determined our destiny ahead of time, He called us to Himself and transferred His perfect righteousness to everyone He called. And those who possess His perfect righteousness, He co-glorified with His Son. Wow. I got so many verses that I, I, I don't know what I was thinking, but I thought I would get through a lot more of them than I did tonight. <clears throat> We're seeing a pattern, though, and, and I'll come back. I'll, we'll try our best just to start here if that's what the Holy Spirit directs us to do next Wednesday. Let, let, me, let me, thank you, Holy Spirit. Yes, sir. Um, thank you, Jesus. Here's one. Look at this. Man. Galatians 1, 15 and 16. Paul speaking. But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through His grace to do what? To reveal His Son in me. To reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood. Sometimes we get so caught up in Paul telling his story that we miss the number one purpose for which he was born and then given the grace of God. He was born as a human being on this planet, separated from his mother's womb. That's, you know, that's what you call being born, right? I was in my mother's womb, and then I was separated from my mother's womb. And when I was separated from my mother's womb, is when I was born. He says, I was born, I came out of my mother's womb, and I was given grace by my Creator Father to do what? Because He wants to reveal His Son in me. 
and he wants to reveal his son in you. Amen. Inward reality of the new birth becoming an outward expression of life. All right, stand with me tonight. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. That's why Paul could be so bold to say, don't choke on it now. I keep kind of sprinkling this in a little bit here, a little bit there. Okay. Paul had a revelation of these things. And this is why he said by the Holy Spirit, are you ready now? Are you, can you, are you ready? For me to live is Christ. There's two things that Paul said that I think may be the most boldest statements out of his mouth. That's the first one, for me to live as Christ. The other one is when he said, I filled up in my body the, the, by suffering to get the gospel to you. He said, I, I completed suffering that Jesus was unable to complete so that you could hear the gospel. I'm like, dude, hold on a second. He's saying, but think about it, what he's saying there. You, at first you're like, man, you are so full of yourself. What is he saying? He said, as much as Jesus endured to provide salvation for you, if I had not been willing to endure what I've endured to get the gospel to you, you would still be on your way to a devil's hell. He says, so I filled up in my body the lacking, the suffering that was lacking on Jesus' part. It's bold, but it's true, right? He said, I died with him. And now he's alive in me. And because he's alive in me, I'm alive. And so now that means for me to live is Christ. Father, help us understand what is no longer a mystery, Father. It was kept a mystery for a long, long time. It's not a mystery anymore. Your big idea is finally revealed. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in us, living through us. The image of your Son being revealed in us and through us to a world that so desperately needs to see Him and know Him. Father, I thank You that There are riches in this field and you're going to help us with your Holy Spirit to mine them out in ways, Father, that, that, and Lord, you know my heart, I mean no disrespect, because sometimes these important things, Father, become such little cliches, such little trite, quaint, Christianese statements, Father, that have no weight No wait. Our traditions concerning these things have made your word of no effect. But not anymore. Help us see them new for the first time, Father. And embrace these truths. That your very life would be manifested in our body, revealed to the world. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Thank you so much for being here, being with us tonight online, in person. You have a great rest of your week. I see some of you in the morning, um, others on Sunday. Amen. Just know that you're loved. 
and know that Father has good things for you. He's got more for you, a lot more for you. Amen. Praise God. You be blessed.